Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear at Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. Next up, the Planet Microcap Showcase Vegas happening April 30 through May 2nd, 2024 at the Paris Hotel and Casino. Save that date. We are working our tails off behind the scenes to put together the best program we can. Announcements coming soon on initial sponsors, a couple speaker announcements. I'm extremely excited, but let's finish out 2023 and then we'll get there. So uh, the website is now live. So if you'd like to register to participate, please visit planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. My guest on the show today is Eric Conrad, Portfolio Manager at Peapod Lane Capital. I was introduced to Eric by Doug Porter from Acuitas Investments. Thank you, Doug. And I had the chance to meet him recently in New York. Eric is a self-described extreme value investor. And while uncovering what that means to him, we started getting into his general strategy, investing in healthcare. We've been covering the bloodbath in healthcare biotech here at the podcast. And so I, I wanted to learn more about how Eric is approaching looking at a sector that's been beaten down. Thank you again for tuning into the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my interview with Eric Conrad. Eric, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. No, we really appreciate it. And shout out to uh, Doug Porter for from Acuitas for introducing us. And, uh, you know, we actually had a chance to meet in New York when I was there to have a coffee and, you know, uh, meet up and talk a little bit. So I appreciate you jumping on here again and sharing some of the stuff that we also talked about, because I thought it was fascinating. Some of the stuff you got going on in the micro and nano cap space. Yeah, thank, you know, it's great meeting you and um, happy to be on and happy to have the, uh, the conversation. Absolutely. All right. So let's kick this off. You know, for those that, you know, don't know you, haven't heard of Peapod Lane Capital before, can you give us a little bit about your investing background and then what led to your founding of Peapod Lane? Sure. Sure. My quick background is um, uh, University of Chicago undergrad, worked in MBA. I worked for um, Mary Gabelli, Gabelli Asset Mansion as an analyst after business school. I spent uh, a few years at a hedge fund in, in New York after Gabelli. Um, but I was always investing my personal money in off the beaten track, um, deeply out of favor, uh, primarily micro and anacap stocks, stocks that you had to figure out yourself, do your own, your own research on. I get success doing it. And that led to the genesis of Peapod Lane Capital. And the way we look at the world, we're deep value investors, basically looking for stocks that are deeply out of favor. Um, 
We have an asset-based approach. So for those of you who have read Gramadod, it's we look for a lot of net-net type stocks or things that, you know, in today's world that sort of will correlate to net-net type stocks. And that leads us to the micro and nanocup space. That's where there's less competition, um, you know, for all the obvious reasons, you know, it's the do-it-yourself market, um, limited buy side overlap, uh, limited sell side coverage. Sometimes things get irrationally cheap. Um, and that's what we do. We tend to have a portfolio of 50 names or so. Um, typical market cap is our sweet spot is under 300 million market cap or typical average market cap is under 200 million. Um, we're really looking for deeply out of favor, which is 50 tweak lows multi-year lows, stocks where we think or where we have a margin of safety on the downside, um, stocks that own assets. Uh, and that's really in a nutshell what we do. We're a two-person team. So I'm the portfolio manager. My partner, partner Martin, um, does trading kind of everything else. And, uh, you know, it's a, that's Peapod Lane in, in a nutshell. Very cool. Thank you for that full overview and kind of, a, yeah. you know, the high-level look at how you guys do things. You know, so I wanted to you know, firstly, it's so funny how, you know, when you're at a bigger shop as an analyst, you know, you're looking at the large cap stocks, but at, but at night you're like, man, these small micro nanos are just so, this is, this is the good stuff, man. Like, yeah. I just want to be doing that, but you can't when you're at those bigger shops, right? Like, it's just, it is what it is, you know? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, you said that, you know, you guys are deep value shop. But I mean, on your website, I, you you take it a step further. You say you're extreme value shop, you know, so, you know, you kind of alluded a little bit to your investing philosophy already at the beginning there. But, you know, I, I wanted to better understand what you mean by extreme value best. How is that even more down the rabbit hole than deep value investing? <laughs> I guess that's really a subjective question. You know, so what we're really looking for are things that are, you know, really baby thrown out with the bathwater. It's multi-year lows, 52-week lows. And the way we're looking at value, we're not looking for, we're looking at low price to assets. So when we look for stocks, we're screening for low price to book asset stocks. Um, it's very much of a, you know, Graham and Dodd type strategy or water slosh um, for those you, for, of you who are familiar with him. Stocks trading, stocks that have assets. In our, a lot of cases, it's just simply working capital, trading at a discount. Other, other times, it's, it's real estate at a discount. Stocks where theoretically you could buy some of these companies and theoretically buy them at a discount to where they theoretically could be liquidated at. Not that we expect liquidation ever to happen because that's just not the kind of the way the world works. That's not the motivations for the management teams and the board of directors to, to liquidate companies. But stocks where we can own them, discount to theoretical liquidation value, where we get the operating businesses for free or, or a super low price. So when we say extreme value investing, that's really what we're talking about. You know, stocks that are just so cheap where the, where the low price itself can be its own catalyst. Um, and th that's what we say when we mean extreme value investing. And we also say to differentiate ourselves a little bit from, you know, when people say value investing, it's usually, a, you know, um, low price PE, low price to cash flow. 
but we're a low priced asset. So it's, it's just, just our way of differentiating ourselves. I look forward to reading your book one day, you know, uh, <laughs> that's going to be right there next to Tobias, Toby's book, you know, for deep value, it's going to be extreme deep, you know, extreme value. Um, but I, I love, I, just, I, I love that for, especially from a marketing perspective, it's just so it's like seven minute abs, six minute abs, you know, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, okay. So digging even a little further, cause this is something that we talked about when we were yeah. having our coffee together and I thought it was fascinating. And that really has to do with this contrarian approach as well to micro and nano cap value. And, you know, this idea of deeply out of favor. So for you, I mean, kind of, touch on a little bit here, but what are some of the metrics that you consider when you're saying, okay, I want something that's deeply out of favor. Here are some of the metrics that we're looking for when we do, you know, some of our simple screens or anything like that. Yeah. So, so our initial screen for, in terms of idea generation, we screen on the, the simplest thing to screen on is price to book. I mean, that's what's out there. Um, I mean, obviously book value is an accounting term. It's not necessarily economic reality, but that's what we can screen on. And we screen very broadly. Um, so we screen stocks uh, generally under one times book, usually generally under one times debt to equity, um, stocks that are hitting 52 week lows, stocks that are falling by any great amount in any given day, as well as busted IPOs and busted secondaries. And from there, we get that list and we pull up balance sheets. Um, 90% of the time, it takes us five minutes to say this isn't going to fit our, you know, what we're looking for. But what we're looking for is, um, as I said, assets. For us, it's, are they a net-net stock? That's really our, our bread and butter. They, but it's also, are they, is, are we, can we own real estate at a discount? Can we own land at a discount? Um, so we pull up the balance sheet, pull up cash flow, we pull up the, the, the income statements as well. Um, but it's where can we own assets at a discount? Where do we have margin of safety? Where are these stocks priced so irrationally cheap? A lot of what we do is also, we're thinking about behavioral uh, economics as well. Why is something cheap? Um, you know, we all have our biases. A lot, one of which is, you know, recency bias. Stock goes down, it's very easy to take out the roar and think it's gonna go down forever. But sometimes that's, that's not the case. Sometimes it, you know, in, in a very simple example, the company may have four dollars of cash, no do, no debt, trading at two dollars, uh, you know, per share, and you know maybe that's an interesting investment. Maybe it has a, a a business that makes sense, but it may have been IPO'd five years ago as a growth stock at twenty, and now it's trading at two, and people are selling just because it's gone down. It's not a growth stock anymore. There may be tax loss reasons going on. They may be getting kicked out of an index. Um, so that's really what we're doing. It's, it's a very broad screen, looking at trying to find stocks that fit our fit what we're looking for. So everything we look we own in the portfolio is going to there's going to be a lot of similarities to them. It's going to be you're going to on the surface there's going to be some reason why it's gotten cheap. It's going to be some reason why it's gotten so out of favor. Um, but it's gonna have hard assets. May trade be net next, maybe cash at a discount, maybe real estate at a discount. And IP. What's that? Do you do you consider IP as part of that as well? We don't. I mean, not on the downside. Okay. On the upside, we do. I mean, there, there's there's two questions there. So on the downside, we take a super conservative approach. 
because um, we want margin of safety on the downside. Um, but when we consider the other side of the question, okay, let's think about the downside, how you not lose money, how do you make money? That's the other part of it. So what's the upside? How do you get to the upside? Um, so the stocks we own are gonna be trading at you know low price to book ratio, mm-hmm. but when they, when they when things turn you know turn if we're fortunate enough they turn sometimes they transition into an earnings based company and how do you go from that earnings base how do you how do you transition from a low price to book stock to a to a to one that's valued on cash flow or earnings so yes on the upside we consider ip we consider brand value uh, but when we buy things we're taking a very conservative approach and we're looking we're trying to protect our downside well, the reason I ask, and I think you probably know why I'm asking that, is because one the one the one thing we talked about when it came to you know deeply out of favor, constrained. I mean, we were talking about your biotech strategy right now, yeah. where you've you know the you bought a basket of some of these biotechs out there because I think anecdotally, you know, without even looking at any of you know indices and performance or anything, I think everybody listening can we can all agree that biotechs have just been through the absolute part of my French, the shitter. Um, in the last two years, right? So, you know, I asked that IP question just because, I mean, and you got, that actually made a lot of sense when you said on the upside, right? Because especially in biotechs, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of basically, you know, 50-50 in, in yeah. many respects, or it's event-driven. You know, so love to hear your idea there when it came, you know, what got you to your biotech strategy, wanting to buy the basket, and then, you know, what 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 about it was so deeply out of favor that it became interesting to you at a certain point? Yeah. So, if, I mean, first off, we're generalists. So we're going, where is the opportunity today? What's cheap? What's out of favor? Um, what fits what we're looking for? We, we, we have the process. We have something very specific we're looking for. So today, and really for the past 18 months or so, um, the biotech space has been, you know, if you look at the XBI, it's been decimated. Uh, but within that, there a lot of stocks trading at pretty big discounts to cash. Um, so if you if you go back to the early days of, or I guess 2020, 2021, when you had a big bull market in these types of stocks, the capital markets were wide open. You had a ton of money raised in IPOs and secondaries that went into these um, biotech stocks. In some cases, they've had drugs that have failed um other times they've just whatever the banker sold just the tie turned and here we are 24 30 months later you had stocks that ipo'd at massively positive enterprise values in 2021 trading at massive negative enterprise values in now 2023 and the question is you ask the question about ip do these companies have positive IP or do they have negative IP because they're just going to burn the cash, never have a drug they can take to market? I mean, that's and what the what what the stock market is telling you or the public markets are telling you is it's negative IP. They're just going to burn the cash. Well, 30 months ago was the opposite story. So what's right and where should these be priced? And and. Um, so we own a, bas- a basket of them. We own, and the way we think about it, we're not trying to sit there and say, "Hey, is this drug going to work or not?" Because we don't, 
necessarily have the skill set to do that. But what I what skill set I do have, or I think I have, or I try to have, is I know what cash is. It's fairly simple. I know what the cash burn is. I understand behavioral economics. I understand why um, sometimes stocks get irrationally oversold. Um, I understand the concept of cigar puff best, uh, investing, where you know sometimes there is a, a puff left in these stocks. And I've always invested in these stocks historically, um, usually on a one-off basis, where there was a failed drug trial, um, where the stock may have gotten 50, 60, 70% discount to cash. And um, more times than not, they worked out for me. Um, the opportunity today is much broader because you had that huge influx of capital raised into the sector. So that opportunity set today is significantly greater today than it was um, prior to 2020. So we, we do own a pretty big basket of, of these stocks. They've, uh, we've been fortunate to have good returns on them. But it's really, you know, it's on the service, how can someone like me own a biotech stock, right? What do I know about understanding whether a drug's going to work or not? But I understand that I can buy cash at a discount. Um, some of these companies have laid off a significant part of their staff, cut down their cash burn. Um, so for us, I like the optionality. I like the, um, the risk-reward profile. And, and we, we own a basket of them. Very interesting. I mean, is you know, as part of your your due diligence when you're looking at, at owning a basket, do you talk with management at all to get a better understanding of where where they exist or where they're going? You know, what kind of conversations they're having with big pharma? Because that's usually sometimes the, also the main catalyst, right? Is that big pharma is just waiting for you know results, data reads, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is my assumption is management teams are going to uh, maintain their salaries. So I'm gonna, I no, you asked, we talked about it before. I, I take do. a conservative view. Um, look, the, um, I'm not going to say, hey, these are the best in pre-biotech stocks because companies are obviously not because why are they trading at 40 cents on the dollar of cash? They're not, you know, there's a reason for it, right? But is 40 cents on the dollar of cash right? or maybe it should be 70 cents on the dollar of cash, which is still a pretty big upside. Um, so, but what I do know is they tell you when their trial results are gonna come. Sometimes they've already happened and they've already said, this drug's not gonna work and we've massively cut spending. Other times I know when that trial result's going to occur. So I can, I can run the math to figure, okay, they have a dollar of cash now when they release those results is going to be, you know, 70 cents, a do, uh, you know, of cash at that point. And what do they do? Either the results are good or they're bad and, you know, something happens. So it's, the reality is, um, it's just, that's, I own a basket and I'm not trying to figure out what, whether these drugs are going to succeed, I just know I'm trying to figure out when are they irrationally underpriced relative to what the balance sheet looks at like, and relative to what the cat relative to what the cash flow statement looks like as well. Hundred percent. I don't. So that, I don't know if that's like. I don't know no, if that's that, a circular answer, but uh, no, 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 no. That I think that 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 
pretty much it. I mean, it, basically, it's like, look, okay, some people who listen to this, they like to talk to management when it comes to just any, you know, microcap. Some, you, you know, you know where you're kind of getting into some for the most part with biotechs, you know, these for the most part, it's somebody that came from big pharma. They probably have a higher salary than you would like. You know, you know that they're doing whatever they can to keep that going in some respect, right? So you're kind of like, okay, I know this going in, but at the same time, like there might be something interesting about this company where, you know, four months down the road, they might have a data readout of their phase 2A or phase 2B and, you know, that could, like I said, that could be a- and, You know, in a number of times, they're actually not even trying to develop anything anymore is they're um, looking to make an acquisition um, to do a reverse merger, basically take the public shell and the cash and reverse merger into something. So um, some of the ones that have really worked out well for us, we've had one liquidate, we've had a few do reverse mergers that have done very well for us. Um, and we've also had some where data that was thought to be terrible was, you know, maybe not as terrible as, init as initially thought. So, um, you know, the 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 outcomes there there are a variety of ways for these things to work out, just so long as we pay a low enough price. Absolutely. So, you know, there's a number of out of favor sectors right now. I'm yeah. just curious how you landed on, you know, just quantitatively just on biotech versus let's say, I mean, junior mining stocks are just, every, every generalist just said, but no, you know, or or cannabis stock, no, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna get into psychedelic stuff or or, or, or uh, whatchamacallit, uh, what's the other one? Crypto, no, you know, yeah. like based on that, why, 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 how did you land here versus some of the other ones that are also out of favor? You know, at one point in my life and earlier in my investment career, when I started being a value investor, I would have said, how could I possibly invest in a, in a, in a, um, in a biotech stock? I mean, how can I get bit past the fact that, that, that I'm, I'm investing in busted biotech stocks? But, you know, they, they hit our radar historically. Um, and at some point, I, you know, we, we bought one, did well in it, but another one did well in it put another one, did well on it. And, you know, we have a formula that, that that's worked. But, you know, the thing is about, like, say you talk about junior junior mining, you know, the assets in this case is, is a lot easier to think about than a junior mining company because it's cash. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that complicated. If I look at a junior mining company, what's the asset? They probably don't have a lot of cash. They probably have... Uh, I don't even know if they have a hole in the ground, but they have a pile of rocks someplace that is either worth zero or worth a lot. But if it's, it's, it's just a harder analysis for me. So, um, I mean, you talk about the junior, junior mining stocks, but in this case, you know, it's a, we really, our bread and butter is net nets. And this is obviously not a classic grandma and dad net net considering the cash burn situation, but, but it is a, 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 it is a, a, they are, biotechs are stocks trading at discount to, to cash and, and net working capital assets. And it's just an offshoot of the net net type stock investing that we do. Absolutely. So Eric, I mean, you mentioned how, you know, it's really, it's really your experience that has led you like, all right, I just, 
I know healthcare or I know I, I we've been successful in biotech. We've bought, a few, you know, maybe from a past experience, you're maybe that first experience investing in a biotech that you're currently not a shareholder of anymore. Just as an example of your process, you know, do, do you mind going into that or or would you rather not? Yeah, ha- happy to. I mean, okay. an you know, old one, so- one that you're not in right now. You know? yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, historically, so the opportunity today is a little different than was historically. The opportunity stays. You have this huge amount of capital raised and sectors falling way out of favor. In the past, it was a drug failure. So the stock would be down 80, 90%, and then, you know, drift lower to down 95% lower. Um, so it was, in some respects, you know what cash is, you know what the cash burn is, um, and you know what the stock price is. So uh, I would historically invest in these types of stocks where I basically had a, you know, a, a certain amount of a certain window, usually somewhere around two years or so, um, where cash delay less the burn versus the price I'm paying. Um, I thought that gave me plenty of optionality for something to happen. Um, and that's that's really how I thought about it. And um, you know, prior to the you know and. They, my, my, the early ones I invested in pretty much all worked out very well. They had, they haven't all worked out. I don't want to imply that, but they, but it's, it's that. I mean, it's like, and I'm not trying to say like, you know, I hate talking about the drug itself or anything like that because that's not really what I'm trying to do. But, um, it's, um, results. The way this works out is results have been more positive and reverse mergers and liquidations. Those things have happened and they've all happened successfully for me. Absolutely. Look, my main goal today was I wanted to give folks an idea of what a generalist biotech approach can actually look like versus like feeling that you needed to be, you know, have a PhD or subscribe to, you know, four, you know, biotech newsletters to, you know, help you understand which yeah, doesn't hurt, honest. don't get me wrong, but, you know. Quite honestly, if I tried to do that, um, I'm not going to be able to, if I try to subscribe to bio, like, am I looking at these as biotech stocks or am I looking at these as cash at a discount? Now that is I mean, the key the point. Thing. That's I'm not the looking key at point. These as, I mean, we're talking about biotech stocks, but I'm talking, but really what I'm thinking is cash at a discount. Mm-hmm. And if you can get all, I mean, but they're tricky because the outcome is a little is there's a greater range of outcomes here, and that's why you own a basket of it. Um, right. Whereas a more traditional bread and butter, you know, net net type stock, which is the majority of the portfolio, the the outcomes look different. Absolutely. I mean, you must be a kid in the candy store, you know, looking at. I mean. I, Geez, how many how many sectors or with or companies within some of these sectors that are are trading you know at cash with cash at a discount right now? I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of these conversations about them. I've had a lot of pushback on it, but mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent, that's the opportunity, right? It's um, 
other people not being willing to do it and um, other people thinking I'm an idiot for doing it. But that's okay, right? I make my own decisions and 100%. the results speak for themselves. And, uh, you know, that's part of being a... Uh, An extreme value investor. That's yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, no, people giving you a hard time. Like, oh man, there's so many things trading at cash, with cash at a discount. You're going biotech? It's like, well, I'm an extreme value investor, dude. Like, that's yeah. just what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean... You know, just kind of, kind of putting a bow on on this conversation. I mean, is there any final thoughts on that? You know, you know, maybe for those who are out here who are like, "Wow, you know, okay, you know, now I'm looking at this." Like, what is there anything else that that folks who are listening in should should be thinking about when it comes to this strategy? Anything else that you think about when it comes to this? You, you know, know, the turn. I don't know. Love, love yeah, I don't know. Maybe let's talk about more broadly versus talking about specific to biotech. It's like. It's, um, you know, just keep an open mind. I mean, um, you might see a biotech stock or it could also be, you know, the even other than biotech, you had a lot of the bus of stocks that were uh, tech, technology stocks also kind of look the same. Um, you know, these might, these might be, you know, outside your quote unquote circle of competence, right? The question is, are they actually outside your circuit of competence? And what is their, your circuit of competence? So what is like so when I think about my circuit of competence, it's it's not figuring out um, drugs and trials. It's figuring out assets. When are those assets too cheap? And when can I buy those and earn an attractive return? That's my core competence. So, you know, something on the surface may look like, you know, one thing, but the reality is something else. I think maybe just keeping an open mind is, is kind of the broad message, I would say. And um, you asked earlier about my history about these. It's really, you know, just, you have to just open your mind at some point and say, you know, I'm a net net investor. I love cash working. I love buying working capital at a discount, you know, and I would see these biotech stocks and sometimes I would not follow them and say, you know, at some point, let me just, let me try it and it worked and try it the second time it worked and it's like you know you have to keep an open mind and you know you, you see what's right in front of you maybe may one thing but the reality it might be something else absolutely so you know not to you know i, I try not to ask this as a crystal ball-y type question but maybe you know is my final question to you here for you know because i've loved everything that we're talking about i'm sure we're gonna have you back on at some point in 2024 to discuss mm -hmm. maybe what's deeply out of favor for 2024 yeah. but you know looking ahead a little bit i mean from some of the screens that you put out there and some of the things that you're seeing is there anything that you're seeing a sector that's looking deeply out of favory already going into 2024 uh other than biotech <laughs> obviously you've had the move in the past month but um retail there's some retailers out there and uh, consumer um some of those stocks are um are 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 cheap and kind of fit our net net type profile um we're really bottoms up investing so it's a lot of the times it's not necessarily sector reasons something's cheap. It might be company specific reasons uh, something's cheap. So um, it's um, you know we've had an interesting we've had a good year. We've had good returns this year. But what's interesting about our returns this year is 
we have a, a number of stocks that are up a lot, but we also have a you know a large handful of portfolio that really hasn't moved all that much. Um, and that's hopefully the source of opportunity for 2024. Very good. I think that's a great right. place to end it, Eric. Um, yeah. I mean, at final thoughts, anything else that we missed today that you wanted to, to share or, or think we're good? I think we're good. I mean, okay, cool. Well, yeah. then, Eric, so Eric, with that, where can our audience go and find more information on Peapod Lane Capital? Sure. Uh, we have a website, um, www.peapodlane, P E A P O D L A N E dot com. Um, or feel free to um, give me a call, 917 658 4623. Very cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next interview. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast podcast.